You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Everyone has the same top five or so guys in this year's draft class. But after that is where it gets really interesting. And I've got a guest joining me today to discuss who he likes in that six to 10 range, including a very intriguing sleeper. You are locked on the NBA draft. It is a Wednesday morning and you are joined by me. It is your host today. Sam Ferris, you can follow me at Draft Dummies on Twitter. I am always on there posting, you know, some stats, clips, my thoughts. Always excited to talk basketball. Always happy to talk to people uh, over on the Twitter sphere. And today I think we've got a fun topic where, you know, like I said, we most people agree that in that top group are kind of the same guys. It's Paulo, it's Chet, it's Jabari Smith, it's Jaden Ivey, Jonathan Davis. Most everybody has those same five or so guys in their top six or seven, at least, if not in their top five. So I wanted to have a guest on to discuss who he liked out of that next batch of guys, plus hitting on a very intriguing wild card for that six to 10 range. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the title sponsor today. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app Prize Picks today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. And again, before we start, I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you for making this show your first listen today. And I hope that is the case every day. Before we get too much further, though, let us welcome on the guest that we've got today. All right, so let's welcome on the guest that I had planned to bring on today. It is C.T. Fazio. He is one of the reoccurring guests that I've had multiple times on my show, one of my favorite guests to have. We'd like to talk some NBA, some college basketball. And today, the topic that I, I hinted at at the top of the show is... You know, as we're about halfway through the college basketball season, it seems to me like, you know, the top five or so guys in this draft are, I wouldn't say yet set in stone, but I would say there's not as much diversity up there that, you know, that top five guys, pretty much everybody has those same top five somewhere in their top six or seven. And so it's fun to debate between the top five guys, um, but but everyone kind of has that group at the top. And so today we wanted to talk about a couple guys that we think might fit into the discussion after that top five. And so I've asked CT to choose one guy that he's confident in kind of right now being in that next group in that six to 10 range. And then also one other, you know, kind of wild card or sleeper that he thinks might play into that discussion as well. Another guy that, you know, he's kind of higher on. So we're going to discuss those two guys today. But first, CT, thank you for taking the time to join me. I really appreciate it. And how's it going for you this afternoon? Hey, Sam, thanks for having me on. Always, always great coming on here talking uh, to an NBA draft. Um, you know, looking forward to it. 
Sounds good. So let's start with the first guy. And why don't you uh, let me know who you decided to pick for the first guy that you wanted to discuss today? Uh, so the first guy that I wanted to pick, who I think uh, should be getting mentioned in top 10 uh, discussions is Kendall Brown out of Baylor, uh, freshman, uh, six foot eight. Someone who I'm just very, very high on as far as, um, you know, just watching a lot of Baylor games and um, just seeing his role at Baylor. I just see it as something that's easily translatable um, to the league, just being 6'8", 205. Uh, someone who's a very athletic cutter, very, very active and very competent defensively, which is something that I've you know, been very impressed with this year watching him play. Uh, you know, 10.6 points a game, four rebounds and even two assists as well. Um, he's kind of like a Swiss army knife as far as he can do a little bit of everything, except, you know, the shooting is, is probably the main swing skills right now. But I, I just really like that he has a, a really great base to work off of as someone who's a, an athletic, uh, very physical defender as well, where NBA teams nowadays, you know, everyone needs those six, eight defenders who can guard the, you know, the Kawhis and the, the Paul George and LeBrons and, um, you know, the Tatums as well. So we just need, you know, those types of wings. So I think Kendall Brown really fits the description. And he's someone who I'd, I'd be really willing to take a top 10 pick on, especially in this, in this draft class. Yeah, he's a guy that I also have in that range. And when you sent me this name, you know, Kendall Brown, I wasn't that surprised because I know you're a Nuggets fan. And so the first thing I thought of was like envisioning him in a role playing off of a guy like Jokic, where, like you said, he is a very smart player for a guy his size and with his athletic tools, really good cutter, good passer, very good play finisher as well. So I, I kind of, that was kind of my first thought there. Um, but yeah, let's start with, you know, the ancillary tools, because you talked about like so many guys, especially kind of these bigger wings that we like to talk about as prospects, the jump shot is the swing skill, but I, I like to talk about kind of his ancillary school skills offensively. You mentioned the cutting. I also think he's like a really solid ball handler for a guy, his size at like six, eight being a very plus athlete as well. So uh, what about his ancillary skills? Well, first of all, do you agree with my assessment there? And what has jumped out to you about those as you've watched him at Baylor this year? Definitely. You know, I think uh, watching Baylor, they have a, a you know, variety of talent where I feel like his shooting is kind of masked, where I think he's, he's willing to take jump shots, but that's not really his role this year. You know, see a guy like James Akinjo, um, Jeremy Sokons, another guy who's really rising up the ranks. <clears throat> but I just like, um, you know, his ancillary skills as far as his defense goes, uh, very switchable. We can guard, I think, on the ball. He can guard off the ball. Um, he can even be a – he can even act as a rim protector. But you could also put him on the ball as well and ask him to, you know, to guard the primary assignment on the other team. But uh, something also that I really like is his transition game um, mm -hmm. where he can grab and go, where he can grab the rebound off the defensive glass and really push the pace and get down the floor in a hurry, uh, whether that's scoring for himself but also early offense as well, um, where he can set up shooters and he could also um, – you know, he could also score for himself in the paint where um, that's something I really like at six, five, two five, where he's got that, you know, that frame of being physical, but also very quick where he can get out in transition, use that to his advantage. Yeah. Those are great points. We've especially seen, like you said, the ball handling, the passing, especially at this point in his career, mostly in transition, but again, for his size and physical tools, those are really like solid building blocks. And I do think that, you know, because there's so much talk about small ball, about needing so much spacing on the court in an NBA game. And oftentimes when we talk about spacing, we just think of shooting, right? But right. I, I do think that 
you know, bigger players, whether it's straight up centers or bigger wings like a Kendall Brown, I do think ball handling is one of the more kind of underrated skills a player can have, especially when scouting guys at this age, because first of all, there just aren't many guys that are big that can also dribble. And again, we think of the ability to shoot as how you space the floor, but you know, the ability to ball handler to to dribble or handle the ball and also make sound decisions is a way that players can keep alive, you know, advantages that other players have created for them, right? So lots of times we'll see bigs, whether it's in college or the NBA, that a guard creates an advantage, gets into the middle, kicks it out to them, and they can't really dribble and can't make good decisions, can't keep that advantage alive. And so I think to a certain extent, shooting is certainly valuable, but shooting is something you can work on, improve, and get better at. And I do think the ability to handle the ball, make decisions, especially as a bigger player, is something that can really help offenses function and I think is a little underrated. And so that's something that really stands out to me about his ball handling and just the ability to make decisions and pass. I think he even had, he did have one 10 assist game this year, and we've seen a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next point is the finishing, where you, you talked about in transition, but um, both on the ball as a cutter and as, you know, as a play finisher in transition and in the half court as a cutter. Uh, what do you think? I mean, he's certainly a plus athlete. The comparison I've thought for him is a little bit, again, going back to the Nuggets, a little bit of an Aaron Gordon type. Um, yep. how, how true does that ring to you? Does that sound like a fair kind of uh, archetype for him? Definitely. I was actually, I was going to bring up Gordon as a, as a comp. Maybe not like a, a solid comp, but definitely I could see parts of his game resembling Brown. Yeah. Um, I think you made a really great point, especially about the spacing aspect. Um, like nowadays in the NBA, you know, like shooting is obviously the main factor when it comes to spacing, but there's also other ways you can space the floor as well. And I think one in the half court is somewhere where uh, Brown is going to have problems, uh, especially yeah. initially. But um, as far as somebody who's kind of like a, a gravity puller, as far as staying along the baseline, the dunker spot, I think he could kind of make uh, an imprint on the game in that aspect. You see a guy like Jared Vanderbilt, right, where he can't really shoot right now, but he's making you know a name for himself with the Timberwolves playing next to a, a spacing big and cat. But he's, you know, someone who's grabbing a bunch of rebounds, you know, being defensively versatile, but also, you know, cleaning up the glass and, and staying along the baseline uh, for dunks. I think that kind of kind of resemble that uh, that role for Brown as well. And then, you know, seeing like Aaron Gordon, his jump shot coming out of Arizona was, you know, far from perfect. And now, you know, this year he's shooting about probably like 33%, which isn't great, but even last year he shot around 40%. So I think, you know, we're seeing that, um, you know, as time progresses, we're seeing prospects uh, really develop their jump shot. You know, obviously not maybe being like a 40% shooter, but as far as it being respectful for the defense in the half court, and if you combine that improvement with his, you know, already great ability in transition um, and all of the other uh, ancillary skills that he has, I think that what comprises really a great prospect in Kendall Brown. Yeah, for sure. You know, the first thing with prospects I like to say is, what do they have that is not teachable that you can't learn or really get that much better at? Because with shooting, like you said, everyone can practice shooting. Everyone gets better to a certain extent, right? Just putting in the reps. But, you know, with Kendall Brown, he has the size, the physical tools, but also just that above average skill level as well for a guy with those physical tools. 
those things you can't really teach to the same level. And with Kendall Brown now, I just want to finish on, you talked about the finishing at the rim. I mean, the numbers there are really, really good. Um, mm -hmm. 29 dunks this year, which he's on a, a pretty incredible pace dunking the ball. I think I posted the stat a few, maybe a week or two ago, but basically he was dunking the ball as much as any non-center has ever dunked in college basketball, which is just impressive. He was on the same exact rate in terms of dunks per game as Zion. Uh, when we think about Zion's freshman year at Duke, we think about a dude just dunking multiple times per game. Kendall Brown has been able to do that. But also, I think it's interesting because a lot of, especially bigger guys, but you know, guys that are great dunkers often don't have other good kind of layup packages or just touch around the rim, right? So if they're not dunking, they aren't very good finishers. Well, he's kind of the exception there where, you know, he's got all those dunks, but on top of uh, just layups at the rim, he's shooting 77% and he's shooting 77% also at the rim in the half court, which ranks in the 97th percentile in college basketball. So whatever you way you want to slice his finishing whether it's in the half court whether it's dunks whether it's layups he is elite in all senses at the rim definitely you know i really i really agree with everything you said i just just in a prospect like him in the top 10 just having the baseline of skills that he has you know as far as defense and uh passing transition um someone's a cutter as well i just feel like the the shooting being a respectable shooter would just be an added bonus at this point um, as far as his prospects go, but like right now, as I just said, I think he's got a really nice, um, nice frame framework of skills to work off of moving forward. Yep. Um, so in the, the segment coming up, we're going to talk about your second guy you chose. And then to finish off the podcast, we're going to bring these two guys together, talk about where we have them now and what we'd like to see from them. Just, you know, high level in terms of, uh, throughout the remainder of the season but let's get into a break now and then we'll hit on your second guy coming up next you've been hearing me tell about prize picks for a couple weeks now have you signed up yet if you have not now is the perfect time because for a limited time prize picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for for all of our users 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 get fifty dollars for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point but you must use code nba that's right this is an exclusive offer available to locked on fans who only who use the code nba so price picks has the best nba dfs prop game on the market they offer any prop you can think of from points to assists, rebounds threes made etc you can pick two to five players and an over under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times on any entry and it's just you versus the projected numbers. That's it. So go to Price Picks today and use that promo code NBA to get $50 free if your first Price Picks entry scores a single point. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. All right, so CT, give me the second guy that you wanted to choose. And again, just to highlight this, Kendall Brown was a guy you felt more comfortable with already, including in this conversation. Yep. And this guy is more of the sleeper wild card guy that you could see 
maybe you want to specify, does this mean moving up your per personal board or do you think he can also move up mainstream boards all the way up into the top 10? I think a little bit of both. Um, for right now, I have um, – so my next guy that I'm going to mention is Blake, uh, Blake Wesley from Notre Dame. Um, this is somebody right now I have about in the uh, – 18 to 25 range on my board, but I could see him kind of vaulting up a little bit more as, as the process moves along. Um, but I've been very impressed with Wesley. Um, he was someone who I wasn't really that familiar with, um, you know, before the college season, but cause he wasn't really that he was, I think he was a four-star recruit, yeah. but he was not 50. Um, just seeing him um, as a six, five, you know, very tall guard physical. Um, those are the kind of guards that I like to gravitate to as far as, um, you know, kind of valuing them highly on my board. Um, very good getting downhill, um, you know, 50, around 15 points a game, three rebounds and two assists. Um, I just kind of like the, the framework that he has to work off, you know, big physical guard, um, very crafting the pick and roll. Um, that's something that as we've gone along with the season is something that I've been very impressed with. Um, you know, he's good at rejecting ball screens, uh, very good at finding, uh, shooters, you know, on the weak side. Um, so just right now, like, I just, I feel like he's got a really, really, um, really nice game as far as the pick and roll goes. And that's it's obviously a common, you know, like probably the most common play that the NBA, team, NBA teams run. So if he already has that kind of baseline of skills in the pick and roll, something that he could work off of going along with also him being a taller guard, I think he's got, you know, the makings of at least a top 20 player and someone who can move up as the process moves along. Yeah. I like that you started with the physical tools at six, five, and you said, you know, he plays pretty strong because when you see him, he does stand out as like, yeah, that guy looks like an NBA prospect because of the size is 6'5". And, you know, we always talk about that. It's just difficult for smaller guards, um, you know, for your own team watching the Nuggets. Uh, like <laughs> Bo Bones Highland is a such a talented player, such a great scorer. Uh, but he is a late first round draft pick because he's what, 6'3", I believe. And yep. then, and then taking that to the next level, Marcus Howard, who was an all-time college basketball player, but he's what six foot, maybe five eleven, can't even find really a spot in the NBA. And so, that size for a guard is an important box to check, in my opinion, because if you're below kind of that six four, six three level, then you have to have a real special set of skills. And so, being six five is very important box to check. And then you said plays with strength. I agree because he is still like his body still is going to fill out. He's still a freshman, still pretty thin, but he doesn't play that way. He plays pretty physically to me when I watch him. Like that's not an issue to me at all either. And so to me, actually like the number one thing that has stood out has been like just his kind of mentality. And the first place I'll start is, like he, he already leads their team. Like he has the ball in his hands a ton. You look at the usage rate on that Notre Dame team. He has uh, like over 30% usage and his usage rate is 10% higher than the next highest guy on the team, which is pretty crazy. Like you said, for a freshman that was only like a four-star recruit, not a super high heralded guy to come in and really run a team like that is very impressive in and of itself. But also, I'll throw in the fact that he has already made multiple big shots late in games against both Kentucky and Georgia Tech were teams that I watched. And so that mentality, that ability to come in 
run a team already at a high level and just be a guy that the team depends on is something, like you said, I wasn't expecting this from him already. So that has been awesome. And then the next part I want to hit on is just the scoring off the bounce. You talked about in ball screens, um, but his jumper off the dribble looks really nice to me. Uh, what have you seen from his ability to score again at six foot five? Sure. So I think the, the pick and roll ability definitely stands out to me um, off yeah. the jump. Um, you know, uh, Notre Dame really surrounds him with a bunch of a uh, bunch of shooting and a, and, and a dive man as well. Um, where he's able to hit the roller, but he was also able to hit the the opposite corner pass um, for the shooter. But um, something I really also like is his ability to to kill switches as well, where he's not really I wouldn't say he's blowing by the defender, but he's got he's got some shake to him where he's able to to kind of manipulate the defense, yeah. and um, that's something I really like, especially at six five, where he's he's in that taller frame. Um, but I also have seen some instances of him, you know, uh, getting around the big um, with his quickness, but. Yeah, just that aspect is something that's, that really stands out to me. Um, and then I think some areas of improvement for him um, is definitely the defense. I think guarding point guards at the point of attack may be too quick for him right now. Um, I think laterally he's not that quick, yeah. but he does have length. He is tall and he's a bit physical. So I think as time moves on and he, and he puts on some more weight and also gets a little quicker, I think that shouldn't be as much of a problem, but – I do think the defense right now is definitely a little bit of an issue. That's also due to a little bit of an experience as well. And then the three-point shot, he's only shooting 32% uh, from three. But he has shown the ability to, you know, hit shots in the pull-up, in the pick-and-roll, um, even seen off-ball a little bit, catch-and-shoot. So I think those are the two main areas of concern right now. I think the, the individual defense as well as the, the three-point shot. Yep, I agree with all of that. And in the final segment, we'll hit on a few – you know, aspects that I'd like to see improvement from. But just to wrap up here in terms of like the positives, I, on tape and just when I've watched him, I thought I've been impressed with his scoring ability, like you said, both in pick and roll and just kind of off the bounce in isolation. And the numbers really back that up. So on jumpers off the dribble, so pull up jumpers, he is averaging 1.04 points per possession which for a college freshman in college basketball is really, really good. That's like 85th percentile in all of college basketball already. So that that's really good. And then also in isolation, he right now is the most efficient isolation score in all of college basketball, which was pretty shocking to me. It's only one possession per game, just over one per game. So not a ton of like ISO there, but when he does it, he's been very efficient. And just that jumper off the dribble is is uh, something that comes naturally to him. Like we've seen like a guy like Ty Ty Washington is kind of similar and he gets a lot of credit for that. But Blake Wesley at six foot five really elevates and he loves taking those one, two dribble pull-ups, either coming off the screen or just, you know, going at a switch as well. And so those numbers to me were even more impressive than I expected. Like the film was good but those numbers say that he's been like very, very good as a scorer. So yeah, he's a guy that I have been very impressed by. Like you said, didn't see it coming. And I think he can probably end up moving up into that range as well. Um, we're going to get into another break. And then in the final segment, I want to hear kind of where you have these guys on your board now. 
and maybe one or two things each of them can do to move up. So let's do that coming up next. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And guess what? It is the new year. It's 2022. It's January. So that means a lot of people make New Year's resolutions. If you do and yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure to go ahead and include Built Bars in that plan. They make it easier to stick to your resolution because they taste so good. They're 100% covered in real chocolate, but they also contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar and net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has over 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. So here's an idea. If you're going to make that New Year's resolution, go ahead and include Built Bars in it. There are so many flavors to choose from peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel mint brownie, and many more. Again, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. All right, CT, so let's start with Kendall Brown. Where do you have him on your board uh, right now? Uh, so right now I have Kendall Brown at around seven right now on my board. Um, okay. He's right after that first tier where I have, you know, I have, Chet and I have, you know, Jabari Smith, uh, Jane and Ivy in the top three, and then uh, Johnny Davis uh, as well. Um, so yeah. Kendall Brown's outside of that for right now, um, just because of the lack of the outside shot. Um, but also I just, I, I like what else he brings to the table. So um, that's why I have him in the top seven where I think he even he, there's probably an outside chance he moves to the top five, but as of right now, it's, that's pretty solidified for me. Yeah. I have him, I think, let me see. Let me pull up my rankings. Yeah, I have him eighth right now. So basically in the same spot you do. And let's talk about, you know, just one or two things from me that I'd like to see for him to, you know, stay in that top seven, top eight-ish discussion. I think the first thing for me is, you know, I talked about that 10 assist game. I talked about, you know, him being a good passer and, for him, it has been a little bit of a tale of two seasons. Like his his first 10 games were more impressive than like the last seven or eight. I think his numbers have dipped a bit. And so I do just want to see a little bit more of those passing flashes moving forward. And we've seen a little bit more of that lately. He had six assists versus Tech, Texas Tech and three again versus Oklahoma State. But just I just want to see a little bit more of those flashes come back and uh, just if he could get a little bit more usage, I just don't see that necessarily happening for a Baylor team that's competing for a national championship this year. But if we could just see a little bit of those raw numbers go back up like they were at the beginning beginning of the year, because over the last seven or eight games or so, he's been scoring mostly single digits with like two, three assists. So just to feel a little more comfortable, I would like to see just kind of those raw numbers and that usage go back up a little bit. Um, anything else kind of that you'd mention that you'd like to see from him in order to stay kind of in that six through eight range on your board? No, definitely. I think you hit on, hit on a lot of great points. Um, yeah, I would like to see the usage go up. Um, you know, I know the last couple of games has kind of tailed off a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'd actually like to see him be a little bit more aggressive. I feel like he's kind of, uh, not lost aggressive, but he's kind of should pick his spots better as far as, you know, when to attack and, uh, went to look for his own shot. Yeah. Um, but I also would like to see him play a little bit more of like a, 
a hybrid five, maybe against bench units too. I just want to kind of see how that would how that would fare, but that's probably asking for too much. Yeah, no, I think you put it better. Just like the aggressiveness and uh, the willingness to pick his spots a little bit more aggressively. Like, cause you, like you said, he's only taking like four or five shots a game at this point. It's just kind of the raw numbers, that aggressiveness, uh, that willingness to, to take shots and make plays, especially offensively has waned a little bit. And like we've said, Baylor is competing for national championship. They have a ton of good guards again. And so that's not necessarily his role, but just for his projection, just to be a little bit more secure, I would like to see that kind of go back up a little bit. Um, and for Blake Wesley, you said you had him kind of in the 18 to 22-ish range. Was that right? Yep, somewhere around there. Yeah, I think I actually am even a little bit higher than you. Just just because, like you said, I, I could see him continuing to move up. And so I'm kind of wanting to be a little bit early to the game with him. And so I already have him probably in like the 10 to 15-ish range. Again, I do just value like bigger guards uh, with that size and length that have shown the ability to score. And he's just exceeded expectations so much. Um, so for me, honestly, the number one thing him with him is I just want to see him sustain this level. Like, is this, can he play at this level throughout the whole year? So that's the number one thing for me is just, can he actually do this throughout the whole year? And then the second thing is, I would like to see the catch and shoot jumper go in a little more. You talked about this earlier, but like the pull-up jumper, like he prefers the one, two dribble pull-ups. And to me, that's totally fine right now. Like I buy the the catch and shoot coming along, but only 31% from three and 70% from the free throw line. So those are slightly worrying signs. Um, Do you agree with those and... Anything else kind of from Blake Wesley that you'd like to see from him over the next few weeks? Yes, yeah, so I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, I think like you mentioned, the, the free throw percentage and then the three-point percentage is a bit, I wouldn't say, con- I don't know, concerning, definitely like something to monitor um, moving forward. I would like to see him be, I actually would even like to see him be a little more aggressive um, as far as like one-on-one situations go, seeing if he could beat switches and, and things like that. But yeah, yeah, I think I think seeing the sustainability throughout the whole year is something I'm looking forward to, um, to see if he can move up my board. For right now, I kind of want a little little on the conservative side, having him like in that twenty range. Um, yeah, yeah. Like I, if you were if you were to guarantee me right now that the way he has played for the first half of the year, if that carries out throughout the second half of the year, like he sustains this all year, I'd have him in. I'd certainly have him in the top fourteen, like in my lottery. Where would like if if you were to be guaranteed that he, he remains at this level, uh, like how high could you see him basically ending up on your board? Is it feasible that he is kind of top 10 range? I think it's definitely a ch- I think it's a possibility for sure. Um, I think no doubt if he keeps up his production, like right now, um, with the numbers he's putting up and, and kind of the volume, I think a lottery pick would be something that it would be no doubt for me that he'd be in that range. Yeah. We just didn't even see it coming with him and, and, he has been consistent. He has sustained it so far. Like if you look over his last like 10 or 11 games, he's averaging like 16, 17 points a game and hasn't scored lower than 12 plus the big shots at the end and generating a lot of steals defensively too. Like, so like he has sustained it thus far and the consistency has been impressive. 
So it's just a matter of can he sustain it? And at this point, based on the first half of the year, and especially just the usage that he's already been given, again, 10% higher than the next highest guy on the team, it's rare, especially for a team like Notre Dame, where they do have older guys on their team for a freshman to come in and dominate and kind of run the team like that really says a lot to me about him. And so I expect him to, yeah, there might be some hiccups along the way, but I expect him to at least sustain close to this level throughout the rest of the year. Definitely. I think it's a great point you mentioned because Notre Dame usually has a veteran laden team and for him to come in as a freshman and he wasn't even like a, like a top 10 recruit. This was a guy's top 54 star to come in and really, you know, imprint and make a, you know, make a, an impact like that. I think that really speaks volumes. I think that's also something that's just a positive uh, factor moving forward for his draft stock as well. Yeah. And just to put some numbers to that, I just looked up, you know, their, their roster right now. So they have one, they have, they have seven guys basically that they play in their rotation. So it's Blake Wesley as a freshman and then um, six junior or five juniors and one senior. So it's all upperclassmen with Blake Wesley running the show already. And so, yeah, that, that's really impressive. That certainly says a lot about both his willingness to run the show and the coach and his teammates trusting him already. And so, yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm really high on him. I expect him, honestly, even more, like I wouldn't even say it's like perspective where it might happen. I'd say, honestly, at this point, it's more likely than not that he does stay in the draft. And that he ends up going in like the top 15 to 20. And I think I'll probably have him just like a little higher than than, than consensus, to be honest. Um, so any kind of final thoughts from UCT before we finish up here? It's been a, a fun discussion. And yeah, I, I'm glad because these were two guys that I was excited to discuss with you as well. Definitely. No, it's definitely, definitely an interesting conversation. Um, just putting uh, together a board lately. And seeing where the guys shake out, you know, these are two guys that I've been watching a lot lately and, and wanted to really talk about. Um, and it's good to also see like where you stack up with them as well. Um, but yeah, I think we hit, or, hit some really good points with them as far as, you know, talking about the strengths, weaknesses, um, how they stack up moving forward as well. Yeah, for sure. I'll have to have you on again because there are a couple guys that, I, that uh, I'm having a tough time or I, I know where I stand, but I've seen a lot of variance throughout draft Twitter and just boards that I see on certain guys. So uh, always excited to have you on CT. We'll do it again sometime soon. Maybe do a little bit of NBA talk next time since both the Nuggets and Warriors, our two teams are are pretty interesting and fun to watch right now. Um, but thank you again so much for taking the time. I always appreciate it. Um, anything you want to tell the listeners before we go ahead and finish up here? Oh, th- thanks. Uh, thanks, Sam, for having me on. I really appreciate it. You know, always a great time coming on and talking draft. Um, I actually, I'm looking to get uh, my first piece out on the cycle, uh, the draft cycle uh, in the coming weeks. Um, probably do like a, a prospect, kind of my thoughts, my overarching thoughts on um, maybe some like four to five guys. Um, so be on the lookout for that. And I'll be updating my board probably within the next, probably within the next week or two um, as I catch up on more film. But, you know, once again, thanks for having me on. Always, always appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah, I will retweet that out for you when you release that and excited to see who you decide to write about again ct thanks for coming on always a good time and thank you very much listeners thank you listeners for tuning in thank you for making this show your first listen today and hopefully that's the case every day now because you 
Hopefully enjoyed our show on the Locked On NBA Draft channel. Go ahead and make your second listen today, the Locked On Bets, which is your daily one-stop shop for all gambling needs. Again, Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It is free and available on all platforms.